Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 33rd edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by, wait for it, the the Cody to my Rex. Now, that was terrible. Is there a better... That's so fucking cringe. (laughs) (laughs) I thought so, so too. And I wanted to ask you, is there... I thought about it for a solid 30 seconds. Is there a better one that isn't as cringe or is, is that just always going to be cringe? No, I think it's always going to be cringe, but I mean, you know, could have gone for like the classic Anakin to your Obi-Wan or whatever. I mean, sure. Yeah. 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 Like Cody and Rex don't even have like an amazing standout relationship, really. No, nah, rookies is where, is, where, is where, you know, you kind of get the most of it. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. Oh, well. So that's not, yeah, it's not even a great Clone Wars reference, but whatever. Jaden is here. Mm. Liam is not. He isn't. He isn't. He's not here this week for the very first time. And I just want to throw out there that I'm treating this as sort of a trial for us, Jaden. Hopefully it will lead to, if this all goes well, which I'm confident, I'm confident it will, hopefully we'll be able to remove him from the podcast for, in future episodes and we just never have to rev- invite him to any sessions ever again because I hold all the power in that respect. I can just kick him out. Yeah, you could. Um, I mean, like, but it's, it's situations like that where, like, it, it takes me, like, four seconds to think it to say something. So, like, having Liam there to fill the gap. Or maybe we don't even need mm. Liam. Maybe we can rotate our know, third person, you know. Sure, sure. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's not a bad option either. Anyway, for the uninitiated, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie or show every single Monday. Uh, there's normally, yeah, there's normally three of us, but whatever you can go and listen to any other episode for that you can find us on youtube spotify apple podcasts and amazon music so subscribe and all those things leave reviews follow the instagram page like the youtube video do all that stuff and i also want to point out that fitzy isn't here this week he thinks he can get the week off if he doesn't post a reminder on the instagram just because oh you know i wasn't on the episode so i don't need to remind the instagram people that's unacceptable I just, I'm calling him out right now. I'm sure he'll listen to this. He needs to post the Instagram. Well, he did just put up a meme. Did you see the meme or not? No, did he? Yeah, it was about cinema effect on Mondays. About Spider Man or something like that. So he's pulling his weight, even though he's away. Oh, that's good. That's good. Was it a story or was it a yeah, post? Yeah, it was a story. Oh, see, I, I check Instagram once a week. Normally, just to see, like around the normal time that he that he does the reminder, so I missed out on the extra stuff. Okay, well, yeah, okay, fine. I'm glad he's pulling his weight while he's away, so never mind. I trust in him. That's fine. Um, but we always ask a specific question of the week for you to write in in the YouTube comments section down below. We read your responses at the end of next week's episode. This week, we're asking you, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Everyone's got strong opinions about this, so I want to hear those strong takes come out. And we'll have a fun convo next week, I think, about that. Uh, this week, we're reviewing The Clone Wars Season 7, Star Wars The Clone Wars. Uh, and this season, the final season of the show, was revived, thank Christ, and premiered on Disney Plus on February 21st, 2020. Uh, it was created and overseen for its first six seasons by George Lucas, but of course, all the way through our supervising director is Mr. Dave Filoni. And the general synopsis of the show. It's always weird doing this, you know. This is just the most generic surface-level synopsis of the whole thing. But anyway, whatever. Jedi Knights lead the Grand Army of the Republic against the Droid Army of the Separatists. Thanks, IMDb, for that. Is that that all? 
That's it. Yeah, it's just that sentence. I mean, it's pretty concise, isn't it? Yeah. It's pretty accurate, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah to be fair, it is. But, Anyways, you know. uh, this is a show, I think, that it means a lot to both of us, I think, Jan. What, what's your background with The Clone Wars? Um, I mean, I, I've been watching it since day one. I'm pretty sure, like, that, like the movie back in 2008. That was the first thing, right? Yeah. You know, I watched that premiere on Cartoon Network, and then I watched it, you know, I watched all the se- seasons, you know, through you know, weekly, whatever the release. So, I mean, like, I th- it's I'm very attached to the show and I think it's brilliant. You know, if even if you just have, like, a passive or a mild interest, I do think it's worth watching some of the more well-regarded arcs. And, you know, I do think it's essential viewing for a Star Wars fan. Yeah, dude, 100%. 100%. It's just as big a part of, you know, my Star Wars fan and my love for Star Wars as anything else, I think, like you. And I think that's the thing, I don't know, a lot of people don't necessarily understand about the show is that it is an anthology. It's not, yeah, it's not like a Rebels, for example, where it is a start to finish narrative. You can just jump in for specific episode arcs, and that I think that is kind of what makes it a bit inaccessible at times because you basically have to have someone tell you which episodes to watch. You know, if you want to, if you want to get the most efficient viewing experience, I suppose it's not like oh, just scroll through and you'll find the good looking ones. It's kind of difficult because you need to know the arc structures and things like that. But uh. But overall, yeah, no, hundred percent. If you're if you like Star Wars at all, you should definitely look into watching at least some of the show. Um, and and you know th- this final season, this seventh season has twelve episodes and three arcs, uh, four episodes per arc, so broken up perfectly in that into thirds like that. Um, I mean, I I really like this whole final season. I thought it was a great a, a great finale to the show. Generally speaking, I want to kind of break it down arc by arc sort of as we go through it obviously spend you know the vast majority of this conversation on the on the final arc which really is a big farewell movie to the whole show which is just superb but how did you feel about it well, watching this final season jane did you re-watch just the the last arc this week is that what you did yeah i just rewatched the mandalore arc this week but um yeah cool same mm, i mean i like you know i i, I rewatched the entire series early in the year and you know in time to catch up with this so you know, like you know, I think I'm fresh enough on the on you know the first two arcs as well. Yeah, yeah, same. I wasn't there for for, for the second episode for Casino Royale, but I remember how much you guys talked about arcs and character arc and story arc and the definition of arc. And I feel like we've already exceeded the amount of times <laughs> we've mentioned arc. <laughs> we use arc too much on this show, but now it's a whole different context. Mm. Did you did you like the final season? I presume the answer is yes. Um, no, I think it's the worst one. <laughs> um, no, it's it. Do you actually? No, 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 definitely not. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I think it's phenomenal. I really do. I think it's um, I mean, we, we talked about you know the good arc just before, like you know, watching the good ones, and you know, for me, I think all of them in this in this season are, are, are at least good. Um, with the final one being the best, and then Bad Batch being second, and the uh, what do you what do you call the second one? I've heard it called the Martez sisters arc. If you want to call it that, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. I, I think that, that that's the weakest one, but I, it, it's still, it's it's still you know a decent watch, and it's still essential, you know, and is it's 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 um it expands and elevates the rest of the show and you know the rest of Star Wars lore, I guess. It does. It does. My experience specifically with the show in general, just because you know this is a twenty-two minute episode show, right? And watching it week to week which I did earlier in the year versus now watching that final Mandalore arc, 
which I think um, I, I think it probably is the best arc in the show, full stop, across any season. Um, and uh, being able to watch that this time as just a movie was a, a fantastic experience. I wasn't, you know, waiting with bated breath like I was early, earlier in the year between the episodes, speculating what the hell is going to happen, losing my mind for only 20 minutes of content, you know. Actually watching it as a two-hour thing, I think, is the way it was sort of meant to be experienced. I think the introduction to all those episodes makes that clear. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I loved it so much. The whole season felt super true to the series, and I just don't know if I could have possibly been more satisfied with anything. I think it's it's probably the best, outside of maybe Breaking Bad, but, like, it's one of the best television finales I've ever seen or I've ever kind of experienced or heard of in my life. It's just totally satisfying for longtime fans. It's an absolute blast just on a pure, uh, on every level, on a visual level, on a just this is a cool Star Wars story level. Um, the depth involved at the same time as all that is just, it's bonkers. And I, I just, I love this team so much. Lucasfilm Animation, dude, anything they make, I'm just so excited for. And they've proven themselves time and time again with literally everything they've ever made. And all my Dave Filoni fanboy rants have been justified, I think, by this final season over the years. So uh, I'm really glad for that. And I just I look forward to seeing what they do next with hopefully the the Bad Batch and Give Me a Rebel sequel. And I hope it's all great. I'm sure it will be. Didn't you say the, the Star Wars Resistance was ass? Whatever the other animated It one was ass. Is is that not Lucas? It's a great call. film, animation, whatever. Well, it is, but it's a weird. It's a weird sort of situation. I don't know exactly how the the animation departments are kind of divided, um, but it's definitely not. It wasn't the core team because uh, okay. Dave Filoni created that series in terms of like he always described. I've seen him describe it in interviews. He basically like made up all the characters and the setting and and all that kind of thing and gave the show its tone, but. Um, but then he immediately moved on to the Mandalorian and and this season of Clone Wars as his full attention, um, and the the core animation team I believe that was really you know driving Rebels, um, who I love was all their attention to my understanding was on this season. So they were kind of left with I don't know if, I don't want, I don't know if I want to call it a B team, but left with a weird other sort of crew I think going on over here on the side making shows, and you know. That's fine. I definitely didn't like Resistance at all. Um, if they wanted to continue doing that, like making more, it was definitely aimed at an even younger audience. And if they wanted to keep doing that with more shows with that team, that's fine as long as it doesn't affect the the core animation offerings that I get for me, basically super selfishly. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a good call. I actually forgot it existed. So I think um, what you just mentioned about you know, age targets is, is is important to to, to this final season of Clone Wars because. The showrunner is Dave Filoni the sole showrunner, yeah. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird because just in animation, I think like people's titles are a bit different. He is supervising director and executive producer. Um, that's his title, right? And you know, I see him all the time. He's he's the one that's always directing everyone in the booth, and he's always the head of the writing table. I think my understanding is he's essentially the substitute of a showrunner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, essentially, you know. Um, you know, he they they've recognised that it's been six years since season six, and they've recognised that their core audience has matured. And I feel like you know, so with that, they've matured the tone for this final season a bit, and it it it, it does you know line up a bit with the Martez sisters arc. But you know, that's always been part of the Clone Wars, where you kind of go from super serious to goofy shit, and you know, back to a serious tone. So yeah, 
But um, you know, this season it does feel more mature. It does feel a lot heavier than um previous ones. Well, especially you know the first two seasons. Oh yeah, hundred percent. There is definitely that jump between season one and two, and then beyond. I think. Yeah, but that's a good point. Like Clone Wars has always done that, hasn't it? With its its tonal shifts between arcs. This all kind of does play into uh, the the frustration I think people did have with the Marte sisters arc as it was happening week by week. You know, people had expectations for a final season of the show they love, just like you know, just like we did. And I think them getting that, people naturally want you know, the most badass shit to be happening every episode because we're running out of time. And I felt that too. Mm. And I think people feel that for anything when that when there's only a limited amount of time, you know, it's ending. But in retrospect, it really is true to what Clone Wars is. I don't think there's yeah. really any denying that, you know. Sure, I would have liked those episodes be cool recreation of Revenge of the Sith moments too, maybe. I don't know. That could have been interesting. But I don't know. I don't really think it's a fault of the show necessarily. So uh, we'll go through the arcs just just a little bit. Um, yeah, as you say, we started with the four-episode Bad Batch arc. And, you know, this is essentially, you know, a little cool adventure with these characters that we'd never seen before in a final episode. This Bad Batch arc was um, partially finished. Like, you had seen bits of it online before from years ago that had been partially complete. Um, and the idea of the Bad Batch was way back. That was all George Lucas stuff, I think. But this was an arc that wasn't finished. It got completed in this final season, and it basically has these, what would you call them? I don't know, this like misfit group of clones in like a Vietnam sort of scenario, go on an adventure to rescue Echo, essentially is what it is. Yeah, yeah, that pretty much sums up, that seems like that sums up pretty well, yeah. I think, I, I want to say the third episode in it felt a bit redundant. I think we just, at that point, th- there was just another episode where they tried to escape or some shit i can't remember it's it's hard to kind of break down the episode by episode stuff and that's where the week-to-week thing comes back into impacting your experience but overall like thinking back on that story there were some standout moments i like the bad batch as characters i'm excited we're gonna get some more stuff with them in the future i I thought that arc was pretty solid and it's got standout cinematography and direction as well Mm. like i I messaged you like while i was watching it um I, i remember i think i think it was the first bad batch episode where they infiltrate like you know the little the little um droid outpost and you know they they elect to go without a score in that scene and it's just complete silence as they you know go in and they take out like you know these droids really guerrilla style and it felt so cinematic and it and it just felt like such a massive step up for the show from what it was and like yeah. like you know I was I was always excited for the show but like it was when I was actually watching that that I was like you know I was like you know things to come are going to be brilliant this season, you know. Definitely, definitely. You know, the, the show's no stranger to pushing what we think of as, te- uh, you know, just television animation. But that, that was standout shit. That felt like, what was the comparison I thought of? It, it felt super John Wicky in a lot of ways. And, but yeah, the the, the long takes you're talking about too, they, they, were, they were awesome. They were so cool. Super impressive, I would presume, to animate as well. I just enjoyed the shit out of that. You know, had we forced Liam, I mean, well, had Liam been here this week and we and we forced him to watch season seven, how do you think he, as an outsider into the series, would have felt? Just watching season seven? Just watching season seven. I don't know. I feel like, you know, I feel like he would have enjoyed it. That's actually a question I was going to ask you later, good as time as any now, though, um, when it comes to the final arc specifically, but sure, the final season, the whole thing. Do you think that you could recommend 
that final arc or this season as a whole or whatever to someone who hasn't seen Clone Wars like Fitzy? Because obviously there is a lot of stuff and a lot of heart and a lot of core you're missing out on. And, you know, I would recommend anyone check out some of the show's best stories. But I feel like just as a Star Wars experience, as a Star Wars fan, you could just enjoy the shit out of this. Yeah, uh, you probably could, but I think you, it's, like, it's like you said, I think you'd be missing a lot because you don't understand because, like, you know, how, how much of a focus there is on Ahsoka and Rex in, those, in that final arc. You know, these are characters that you're completely yeah. unaware of having just watched the film. So you're going to lose a bit of attachment there. Um, and also, I mean, like, you know, because you're kind of, because uh, even like, um, even like Mandalore is something that, 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 that they'd been building up over seasons of like, you know, their political situation, how, they went from extreme war, war to peace, and then you know, you know, they had a little coup, and then Darth Maul was the emperor, and then Sidious rocked up and fucked him up and shit. So I mean, like, it's there, there, there's quite a lot of background that I think is important to it, but I think yeah, even without that, you probably still could get behind it, and especially because especially because of the way that it does wrap up uh, that final arc with you know you know those final shots, um, yeah. yeah. I, I still feel like I can't spoil it until we get there. <laughs> yeah. No, d- yeah, definitely. I don't even thought of that. It's just totally true. Like, if you're just watching this and you don't even really know who Ahsoka and Rex are, maybe you've, like, seen images of them online or something and you hear other people talking about them, but you don't have any connection to them and you just jump into that final arc. That's a great point. You lose – like, it's still dope to watch, but mm. it's like you don't even care at that point. And because, you know, to me and you, I'm sure, like, those are characters that are – just as if not more special than any of the film characters, and that is totally would be lost on people. Mm. Yeah, I mean, because like you know, the Ahsoka and Rex we get introduced in the movie, you know, like so like they're the first two new characters that we thought that that we meet, and then we stick with them for yeah the entire series. And you know, Rex does you know become a really special character. I think he's like one of my favorite characters in the show. Um, and because we do get quite a few arcs of him you know, like centered on him and like, you know, and Ahsoka as well, obviously, but like, you know, so you really do grow that, that connection with him. I was going to say, like, even like just like the fan base's opinion on Ahsoka, cause like, I know like, um, uh, cause like, I know like when she was first introduced and especially in the first few seasons, people didn't like her, did they? They, cause she was not really, no. Yeah, no. So like, um, and it, 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 it kind of flipped at some, some point during season three or four, I guess, where she kind of, change from you know what their opinion of like, like i'm not sure what the change was or if there was a specific arc or something but um so even like you know the fan base's development like of their feelings with that character is you know pretty important to the show yeah that's really true that's really true in a meta sort of way i knew i had a question about the bad batch arc how do you feel about echo coming back and being a part of the bad batch because that really is the major character progression that we see in those episodes it was cool to see it was cool to see him again as the he is the last surviving domino squad member i think like i, I like him as a character but i kind of don't because it's i always like when characters stay dead it always adds such a it, it adds a, it adds more you know gravity to the to, to, to the product and i think you know that's one mm. thing that the clone wars is brilliant at because like throughout the series we see so many jedi die and we see so many clones that we get attached to die so like you know, with Echo, I thought I, I just thought I just thought it was a no different to, to you know that kind of kind of thing. It's just uh, this really great character that we've that we've, you know, that we've come to know. You know, um, he's just gone. Um, 
but I do like the way they brought him back. I mean, they, they, it's like, um, you know, if the, the way they did bring him back was satisfying enough, I guess, that it didn't bother me too yeah. much. But like, you know, had they, you know, like, you know, um, had I not known, I wouldn't have cared or what, you know, whatever the thing is. Um, yeah. 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 And he's, I mean, he's changed significantly enough to where it doesn't feel like, hey, he's back. Cool. You know what I mean? It, it, he is completely sort of changed as a character, so that's cool. Mm. I'm I'm torn on it in terms of, I agree with you, like I'd much rather characters stay dead, generally speaking, as a philosophy. But at the same time, the show doesn't really do it to my recollection. I mean, it literally brings Maul back, but that's something that the show itself didn't do, so that's not really on the show, if that makes sense. But um, the show generally refrains from doing it. All the other clones stay dead. He's the only exception. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. It feels weird. I don't know if I'd like it as a thing in this season alone, just because we bring him back just to bring him back and then we never see him again the end. You know, that's kind of strange. But With the, having the Bad Batch series. 100%. 100%. Mm. Having having this series now does justify it for me in a way. I'm like, okay, this is now going to be, Echo's going to be a recurring character, have his own series. Cool. I, I, I'm on board with that now. Mm. We touched a bit on the uh, on the Martez sisters arc as well. And this is the arc that basically exists to get to Ahsoka to where she needs to be for the final arc, which is on Mandalore. And, you know, I liked the arc. It's definitely, I think, universally agreed upon that it's the, the least impressive of the three. But I, I need to have a bit of an in-defense argument for it, I think, because I think people were too hard on it. I thought it had a lot of really great moments, actually. Um the third episode where I think they end up back in prison after escaping prison, that felt that I was also with the majority on that one, that felt super redundant. But there's a handful of moments that I took note of and the moment when I think it's in the first episode of that arc, Ahsoka refers to Anakin as a as her older brother. It's like, dude, that's 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 sick. And then in the second episode, when you get the Return of the Jedi callback moment to her like having that force connection with him on the Star Destroyer, like uh, yeah, Vader. yeah, yeah, that that's brilliant. It yeah, it totally was. I um, it's the only moment in the season I got emotional. Like I mean, I'm like, I'm, I mean, actually, like almost to tears. I was like, damn, that that was powerful to me. That totally got me, and I didn't expect it in the middle of this year, mm-hmm. this arc that's sort of whatever. So you know, there's enough of that sort of thing here and there in that for me to be still on board with it. Um. Yeah, I don't want to make it sound like it was the worst thing ever. And then also the fact that they go to Kessel and we get all the solo iconography as well, dude. I was I was all for that. Yeah, that that that, that I was going to say something similar with the, about this arc in, in the way that it really does connect everything. I mean, like I think the Clone Wars and Rebels do a great job of that, and like the way that they just connect everything that we've seen in the films. And you know, I think this arc is important in like in learning the crime gangs and like the the relationship there and like between you know, how complex, you know, this galaxy actually is. Because, I mean, like, you know, you can only set up so much in a two-hour film and then, you know, keep doing what you, your, your main story. So what Clone Wars has done and the way that it expanded that with its politics and its, you know, the banking and the terrorism and the, the civil disputes and shit, yeah. you know, it's fantastic. And, you know, I've the Marte sisters arc is, is, you know, it's just, for me, it's just that. It's just world building that, you know, probably not needed at this stage of the season, but I still appreciate it. Definitely. And, and yeah, like you say, that's that speaks to what Clone Wars really does so well overall. You know, like the prequels get a lot of criticism uh, and justifiably so in my opinion for their ideas and how 
you know, George tried to integrate politics and, and different larger ideas into Star Wars. And I think it speaks to George being a terrific storyteller on a great, I don't think that's pretty hard to deny. I just think he's really, at least not anymore. I don't know how to speak to it specifically, but he struggles in the execution, I think. And that's where this show is so great because not only obviously do you get all the time of a lengthy television series to dedicate to these ideas and concepts, but you also get the fact that George isn't the one doing the writing, doing the animating. To my knowledge, George Lucas never wrote an episode of the show, even though he was heavily involved in the storytelling. So I think, you know, he oversaw the direction of everything. He approved everything. He was the one giving ideas for arcs and things like that and and, and the stories. But everyone else was left to do all the writing, directing, and directing of actors for him. And I think that's the perfect combination of if George Lucas, if he could just do that till the day he dies, then I'm sure we'd get so many amazing things still out of him. Do you have any other standout moments or aspects we should talk about for those two arcs before we get to the meet? Yeah, I don't really have anything more to say. Cool, cool. Okay, so this final arc, the uh, the Siege of Mandalore arc, which also feels a bit weird to call it that because it is also so much more than that. Really, the last two episodes and the whole finale of the show doesn't really have anything to do with that. So it just feels like, I don't know, like the finale arc of the show, everything comes to a head in these last four episodes. Um, I don't know, I still feel like semi-hesitant to spoil it, even though obviously we always just spoil shit in the show, but... So keep in mind, and obviously I'm, I assume anyone who doesn't know anything about Clone Wars has probably bailed at this point because we've already been so heavy on the uh, on the arc talk and in-depth on the show. But yeah, anyway, full spoiler warning is all I'm saying. So if, you, if you're listening to this and you think you might want to watch Clone Wars someday, absolutely do it and don't listen to this is my warning. Because I don't think, yeah, I don't think we spoiled anything too major as of yet, anything that's like crazy for the final episodes. Um, yeah, no, I guess not. No, so bounce while you can. The, uh, the this arc opens with the the classic Lucasfilm logo that oh, uh, was dude. with the original release of Star Wars. I'm, I'm pretty sure I messaged. I was like, "Holy shit!" They use the fucking original logo. And I was like, "Oh my god!" It's all coming to you know. It's also real now. I was like, "Oh god, yeah, yeah, dude." And then the score there too. They use the main Star Wars fanfare, not the Clone Wars intro theme. Mm. Which <laughs> it's like this is a Star Wars movie we're going into right here. It was, it was, it sets the vibe of like, dude, yeah, shit's, shit's going down now. And it did. Mm. This is some nerdy ass talk. I mean, <laughs> I was meant to, I was, I was meant to preface the episode by saying this is like going to be the most nerdiest shit I've ever said in my life. And it's going to be like, <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. How do you feel about the, the whole opening of this arc? I, I don't want to. <laughs> We've never gone through anything in chronological order before. I feel like this is, I'm just going with the flow. This is how it feels right. But we get the opening scene of this arc with Anakin and Obi-Wan, and we get it. It's a super fun scene on the yeah. bridge, pure Clone Wars. Anakin commits a war crime. He does. As <laughs> 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 a plan with, uh, with, with Rex and Shit, and they're under the bridge. Super fun action. Amazing dialogue between Anakin and Obi-Wan, as we come to expect. Um, and, yeah, like, obviously the, the last Jedi parallels with the 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 clear shot comparisons with I've seen online they're so cool of Luke's facing the ATATs Anakin facing the the droid army it's like it's, it's that shit's that shit's super cool that whole thing I was just grinning it here the first and second time I watched that mm. yeah I was I was really happy with that because like that's 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 what traditional Clone Wars is and like this final arc I mean like we have gotten similar like you know what the rest of this 
final story is. We have gotten similar things throughout the show, but like, you know, the Clone Wars are just fucking, you know, massive fuck off battles and, you know, some quippy banter between the two of them and, you know, some really cool shit. So, I mean, like, I was really happy that they started off the episode in that way or the, you know, the that final part in that way. So, yeah. Yeah, it felt bittersweet the whole time because you knew this is the last time we're getting something like this from this show anyway. And that's kind of sad. But, dude, they, they, they brought their A game. Dude, this arc, this, this arc is relentless. This is probably the best word I can think of to describe it. The, the moments never stop hitting. Uh, they get immediately pulled aside. Ahsoka's there, you know. They, they have conversations. Obi-Wan and Satine is brought up again. I'm like, no, don't do that to me. <laughs> um, you, you're talking about being emotional before. That's what made me emotional. The Satine shit, of course, of course. Rip. And then, yeah, like, oh, she always means something to him. And, of course, oh, God damn it. And then, of course, yeah, like, dude, like I said, never stops. Like, and then immediately after the a Legion of the 501st is like painted their, their helmets uh, with Ahsoka's uh, markings, I suppose. And Anakin says, loyalty means everything to the clones. And I'm like, no, <laughs> don't say that, dude. We know what's going to happen, all right? And th- that shit was so depressing. Everyone, you know, continues to call Ahsoka commander. I'm like, no, please. Um, and then she gets sick blue lightsabers. As her, as I haven't even mentioned Kevin Kynan's score yet, and I will more, but her theme is so good and a blast as she gets her blue lightsabers. I was all about this. This this shit was so cool before we even freaking get to Mandalore. Do you want to talk about the score now or later? Sure, sure. We can talk about the score now. I've no, got sorry. um, yeah. I've got specific moments for the sand out. I, I have like a whole score section in my notes. I kept adding to as I noticed things. Um, but just as a as a broad thing. Kevin Kiner is so good, dude. He is phenomenal. And I don't know how he feels about this, obviously, but someone who does, you know, these animated shows on Disney channels and and on Disney Plus and things that I feel like in the mainstream are sort of overlooked, he is generally, I think, underappreciated in his field. Severely. He's one of the best composers out there. Yeah. Yeah, severely. And he is so freaking talented across Rebels as well. Rebels, yeah, is, Rebels is phenomenal. I think I could argue that Rebels is his best work, probably. Honestly, the um, it always comes to mind you know, of Rebels. You know that episode where they find the two remaining Zabrak people and they're taken back, and then like they're approaching that wormhole cluster thing, whatever it is. Um, and like the, right. the score is just so like fucking phenomenal, and I just get goosebumps still. I just, it, yeah, I, I, that's um, it's 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 incredible. These these Cartoon Network and Disney Channel shows don't deserve him. I don't think. <laughs> I think he's like he should be scoring Hollywood films. I don't know what he's doing on these shows because he is so good. Um, maybe the pay is just fucking insane. Maybe, dude. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. I got no idea. But he brings the whole like one thing I love about TV shows and TV scores specifically is coming up with, with composers having light motifs. And, and themes for certain characters and settings and things like that. And it adds so much to the storytelling for a TV show that is often like a 70-hour experience overall when you have these themes that come back and forth and play in certain pivotal moments, you know, seasons later. It adds so much to the storytelling. And when you have someone that gets that shit so right, like Kevin does, and he has so many recurring themes and little bits and pieces across Clone Wars and Rebels, it's adds to such a satisfying viewer experience. He is, he is so good. But yeah, like it, all these music feels so Star Wars, which is obviously super important. But 
at the same time, he, he brings so much original themes to the mix. Thrawn's theme, this isn't a Rebels review, sorry, but Thrawn's theme is a standout, like using an organ is mm. insane. You just don't expect that from Star Wars, but it feels so right. Thrawn's such a brilliant character as well. He's like one of my favourite Star Wars villains. <sighs> and totally. he's, he's voiced yeah, by Maz Mikkelsen's brother as well. I mean, like, you know, yeah, get, right. just get around true. that. You know, fucking... Absolutely. He's in The Witcher too. And uh, when he's in The Witcher in live action, I just hear Thrawn the whole time. <laughs> Did you get major Blade Runner 2049 vibes from the score in the final few shots, especially? Yes. Yeah. How could you, dude, how could you not? How could you not? And the, the, uh, all the stuff in the first half of episode three as well. Mm, yeah. That, that stuff was so good. The, uh, episode three of the arc, we're jumping around, that's fine. The episode three really is the calm before the storm when they capture Maul. And you get fifteen minutes where it's like you know Order sixty six about is about to happen because you get the Revenge of the Sith moment and you can link up the timeline and figure out, dude, Order sixty six going down in like a few hours right now. Mm. And the yeah, the Blade Runner score adds so much to that, and it's just it's so insanely tense. And there's like no dialogue for ages as well. It's just the ultimate like impending doom happening to all our characters right now. Anyway, so the actual stuff here is you know we we arrive on Mandalore. And everything, everything happens. We get a super fun action sequence to get actually to the city of Ahsoka jumping between ships and clones yeah. using jetpacks. And you know how like there was a parallel between the first episode, like the first, I can't remember, I think it was a movie where she where she goes to Rex, I'll race to the top where they're racing up like that little cliff thing with all the AT. Oh, that's right. And then Israel race to the surface, and it's just uh, that was also a fucking just massive hit. I <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so much thought went into every little moment in this entire thing. Yeah, I, that's one, because I noticed so many other connections, but that's one I didn't notice, and that's crazy. It's so awesome. So they fight around a bit. We get awesome shit's just constantly happening, so we don't even mention, you know, every single thing. But they find Maul, and Maul's theme in throughout the entire Clone Wars, it's just that, like, that haunting, like, whisper chanting. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I don't know, like, how else to describe it. Yeah. It's... It's like, it, it's so good. It's so good. And then I swear to God, when they clash lightsabers for the first time, you hear like five seconds of Jewel the Face, but then it never comes back, which I thought was a cool tease. And yeah, no, we mentioned the synth and Blade Runner stuff already with the theme, and he uses Palpatine's theme uh, while they're talking about Palpatine. So <laughs> that one fits. <laughs> it, it totally fits. That's, he, he's one of my favorite John Williams little um, little themes. So whenever that comes in, I'm like, I'm a fan of that for sure. Should we just get to the lightsaber fight already? You want to jump that far ahead? I don't know. What is there? What What else is there in between? We do have we have cool stuff with the prime minister, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, yeah, I, I, one of my favorite things about Clone Wars is the politics. I think because like because it does so much to 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 expand and to to build the universe. Um, so I yeah. did I I did really love that little those, those bits we get with Almec. Um. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. we probably should just jump to the lightsaber battle. I, I don't want to do. You want to take a moment? You mentioned Almeg. I want to take a moment to appreciate his new, like, green Mandalorian armor, though. Mm, yeah, he looked badass when he suited up. He really did. I didn't know he could. That character could look that badass. Yeah. Oh, actually, not. Like, we we, oh, we 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 talked about it when like we were just discussing, you know, in our highlights of the week earlier in the year. But that fucking fake out with Sabine. Um, again, I was, I was just like, what's the point of having that? I was like, yeah. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. Especially when Sabine's mum is like a character in this. Yeah. Um, he's mentioned consistently. 
And you also have Gar Saxon from Rebels is like one of the is like Maul's uh, underling in this. And those are cool connections I really like. But you're totally right. There's like a Sabine lookalike standing in the background all the time, and it's really off-putting. All right, all right. So this this lightsaber arc that happens in The Phantom Apprentice, which is just the friggin' best episode name I've ever heard. This is the best lightsaber fight that's ever been created in any Star Wars content. Change my mind, Jaden. You reckon? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, so. You're probably right. Um, I think it, it's... It, 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 I think it's only just like narrowly behind Anakin and Count Dooku in episode two swinging their lightsabers above the head. <laughs> nice. No, it, it's brilliant. This is the first time they use mocap in the series, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And um, it just elevates the scene so much. And actually, I think I do remember, I think I did watch one of those breakdown things we were talking about earlier where Filoni was talking about how, well, I'm not sure if it was Filoni or just one of the other lead animators, but how, you know, throughout the series they've done, you know, the crazy flips and shit like that Darth Sidious versus the uh, Savage and Maul fight, and this time for you know their their big their their, their their you know big piece they wanted to go for a more grounded uh, approach. Was that in one of those breakdown episodes? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I think that's so brilliant. And Ray Park did the did his own mocap, right? He did, which oh, it, it's so cool. So you've literally got the best possible Maul portrayal you can ever conceive of Sam Witwer, who is just a treasure doing Maul's voice. He is Darth Maul at this point, and I've never really seen an actor who originally had no involvement with a character basically just become so synonymous with the character that I can't imagine anyone else voicing Maul at this point. And then you've got, yeah, Ray Park doing mocap for the fight. And as you say, like in the actual fight itself, you can see, even if you didn't know that it was mocapped, I think, or even if you don't even know what mocap is, I think any viewer who's watched the show before um, would at least subconsciously notice a difference in the mm-hmm. fight because you can see it from an animation perspective. You can feel the weight in their movements. Hundred percent. That's what it is. That's what it is. You can you can see the weight. You can feel the weight and the moves and shit and everything they do. Yeah, totally feels like you're watching. And I assume it was also directed like a live action scene. Mm. which is something the show's never done. I, I think the show's got terrific lightsaber fights from just a cool, like, um, animators trying to create cool shit, like doing awesome flips and having cool choreography, is, is replicating that as best they can. But the the animation stuff always, because you lose that weight when a dude is just animating something, obviously, or when a team's animating something, it's never felt quite as grounded as this yeah and that's why i think it's definitely the best fight they've done in animation because like at least and like because like you know maul is more physically imposing than what ahsoka is you can just feel like you know that little like double bash he does with like you know one one of his things yes that's a standout for me yeah (laughs) um and like and like you know they they still are able to fit the flips in like you know when she like does her little backflips away and stuff so like they are able to keep their little you know, they're little like tricks and shit in there, but that, yeah, it's, it's just so brilliant. Yeah, totally. Totally. I love the double bash too, because that feels so distinctly Ray Park. Mm-hmm. It feels like something that like, if it were a team animating it, they probably wouldn't include something like that. I mean, dude, that, uh, that Mandalorian throne room seen some, seen some shit. I saw someone comment that the other day on a, on something I was watching and I was like, damn, that's true. <laughs> it's had so many amazing moments throughout the entire show just occur in that one room. Yeah. Um, and uh, th- this this was no exception. I, we, I love it from on from that level, just from a pure choreography, animation, technical side of things. And I love how it then progresses 
uh, to the roof of the city as well. I think that's all really cool stuff. But the other reason I think it's the best lightsaber fight has ever been conceived um, is from a pure storytelling and character perspective. I think a debate that comes up often in Star Wars fandom is like, do you like the lightsaber fights from the prequels that are super flashy and enjoyable? Or do you like the stuff from the OT that's super emotional and, and character driven? This fight combines both of them like to make it a 10 out of 10 fight where it's like, this is amazing to look at on any level. And thematically what's going on between the characters for this conflict to be happening right now is so insanely profound and, and deep to where I'm like, this is, this is just phenomenal. And the conversation they have beforehand, they have every reason to team up and to fight mm. as they literally talk about in the scene, which is why it's so good. It, it's, it's like prequel trilogy is the tragedy of Darth Vader and like the Clone Wars and is, is, is you know, it, it enhances that. But this, this final arc alone does so much to enhance it as well because Darth Maul literally tells, you know, Ahsoka what is happening and Ahsoka relays, relays it to Obi-Wan and it just makes it, you're like, you, you're like in your mind, you can, as a fan, you're just screaming, you can prevent this, but you know, because of the existence of the original trilogy, you can't prevent it because it's just fucking, you know, it's going to happen and it just makes it so much more soul-crushing. Yeah. And, like, that's why, like, like, like their dialogue and, like, her moment of trust that just evaporates when when when, when Maul says Skywalker and that's when it's, yeah. It's, it's, that's what's so cool about the plot of The Phantom Apprentice is that seeing Maul, yeah, understanding like that Sidious is, this shit's going down right now. Sidious is about to do this. He doesn't fully understand like that the clones are going to turn on everyone. He didn't fully get that until it happened, but he understands that Sidious is about to take control. Uh, Anakin's about to become his apprentice. And yeah, he, he makes the plea to Ahsoka like, and, and the similarities between them that he brings up are super obvious. They're both, you know, apprentices, literally. That's why the, the episode's called that. that have been discarded by their, their masters or their higher orders, both of them. But they both don't belong as either a Sith or a Jedi because they're thrown out. So you're left with this thing where, like, Maul is like, yo, let's team up. We're really similar. We can stop this together. And that's something that Ahsoka is definitely tempted by. She literally agrees to it. She mm. actually says, yo, I'm down to do this. Oh, let's team up. Until she asks, what do you want with Anakin? And he explains, and he's being, this is what's so great about it, is that no one's being unreasonable in this situation. He's like, okay, Anakin is about to kill everyone, we need to kill him, and therefore it's gonna, everything's going to be great for us. And obviously Ahsoka's like, uh, I don't believe you. That's bullshit. Let's go. And th- that whole series of events leading to the fight was so satisfying. I mean, obviously in the, the films that tell us, you know, how Sidious orchestrated everything, but, you know, it's um it's really Darth Maul and, you know, the remainder of, like, what the plan was, was that it shows how intricate and how planned and how it's, it's so perfectly illustrates you know how 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 interconnected it is and how you know Sidious really was there from the start I mean like you know like we know that from the films but in this and in the in in Darth Maul's dialogue and we learned that this plan was you know even around for when Maul was the the Sith apprentice and it's just you know it's um yeah 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 I mean Palpatine's plan is one of the cooler aspects of the prequel trilogy time period i think for me it's not something i love about the movies themselves just because i feel like you can kind of answer any weird plot thing any plot whole question by just saying oh palpatine knew the whole time or palpatine had it all figured out it's like how can someone 
reasonably n- predict these things are going to happen in a certain order. And then you can, and then it's, that's never really clear. Like you can obviously argue, oh, well, he can see the future with the force or some bullshit. Like it's easy to make that argument, but it's never really explained that way or demonstrated that way. But this show, like you say, fills in those gaps where it doesn't, I don't know if it like fully makes sense. We still never get Palpatine fully explaining like how he plans shit out. Obviously we never get him in a boardroom or something. I think we get enough of it though. And as, 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 yeah. especially like with the banking episodes and like the techno clan episodes and stuff, like, understanding what their involvements are in this and how you know they both play into the other side yeah i, I think you i think it does enough yeah i agree with you I, yeah 100 because yeah i don't even though we don't get that explicit explanation i don't really want that either and we get enough for me to be able to buy it through all those things you mentioned and more in this and other conversations yeah you, you can fill in the gaps enough to where it makes sense in my head so it's fine um oh yeah and the score during the actual fight, dude, when um they have their final, uh, right, right before they fight, and, and Maul's like, it seems the Padawan needs one last lesson and the drums are coming in. <laughs> I'm just like, how can this shit get any more epic? The window blows out, like shards and ashes. It does, yeah, the glass, yeah, <laughs> the glass falls yeah. in front of them. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, if, if I wasn't invested character-wise right now, this would be weird and cheesy, but I don't care because it totally works. When um when Ahsoka kicks him out the window, um his like the lightsaber marks and like the hole that makes the the, the crimson dawn thing is insignia, isn't it? Right. Holy shit! You're right. I've never thought of that. Yeah, yeah it does. And like like because <laughs> I, I remember watching that first and I was like, ah, it's pretty sick. I'm not sure if it's intentional. Like like I'm like I'm like obviously it's intentional, but like I wasn't sure if that's what they were going for. But like yeah, it's pretty sick. Oh yeah 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 no that is sick. What about when uh uh what's his face? Dryden Voss is in this show when he's in that one scene. Oh yeah, yeah. When he's uh, when he, when he's telling all the clans to like go for, like you know fuck off hide and shit. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just like standing there on the hologram. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Wow, this really this really is nerdy. <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah so so they fight they capture Maul the dude the Maul that moments ca- uh the the moment that Maul is captured and he basically just begs them to kill him. <laughs> he's like is wild and then he becomes Hannibal Lecter yeah <laughs> that was really cool too which would probably explain that he doesn't eat someone he just he, he has a mouth guard actually if you're listening now yeah, you've yeah, probably exactly. seen it yeah but then of course you know this all leads to Order 66 obviously um we already talked about the Carp of the Storm the actual moment though of Order 66 being triggered like Rex crying as oh, it this happened. is where the show is so yeah, oh, this is where the show is so genius and how, like, on paper, right, like, the idea of Rex is able to resist long enough to tell Ahsoka the plot thing she needs to know, like, that sounds contrived, but it's totally not because of the Fives arc and that Order 66 arc in Season 6 makes it make total sense. You know, Rex is the only one that was told by Fives about the plan. Rex, when he investigated further, makes perfect sense. And then because he's the only clone that's even somewhat aware of this occurring, yeah, and the fact that Rex cries and he doesn't, but he still, you know, pulls the trigger, but tells Ahsoka the information that she needs to find the information on Fives. And then, yeah, just do the whole thing where then she has to deflect all the blasts from them and we get the Anakin's Dark Betrayals music blasting. It's all, oh, it's just all perfect. Well, I like the memes, like, it's like, you know, it's comparing, it's like, you know, the Soka, I can't kill them, they don't know what they're doing, and it's like Yoda, and it's like, flippy, flippy, head off, you know, and it's, um... <laughs> <laughs> That's so true! It makes perfect sense, I think, 
within the show itself for Ahsoka to want to resist, you know, obviously killing any of the clones. That's such a core thematic thing to that to that last episode and why they choose to do that, which obviously makes perfect sense. It is weird a little bit though that they got the rest of the Jedi in Revenge of the Sith mercilessly just kill all their clones <laughs> without even without even considering like, oh wait, I didn't realize it was an option that we could keep them alive or try and do something about it. I mean, to be fair, like uh, it'd be a bit hard for some of them when they're swamped, but you know, Ahsoka makes do. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yoda definitely did not have to kill those two dudes. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally unnecessary. But yeah, and then the whole process is basically then for that episode, she saves Rex, removes the inhibitor chip, which is all which is all dope stuff. Um, then that just leads us, of course, to Ahsoka and Rex teaming up to just save their skins. They just need to get the hell off this crashing and burning ship. Maul at the same time is, of course, ripping apart the ship from the inside, which his whole force hallway sequences there of him literally ripping people in half, using the force and shit, like cutting them in half and stuff. That that was all that was all pretty cool. It's not like Vader Rogue One territory for me. No, but no, no, it was no, still no. cool to see. The droids were cool though. I liked that they uh, brought back R seven. Because why not? Yeah. R7 was nice. Um, that chip was meant to be Rocket, right? But Rocket is on Ryloth when fucking, you know, Hera finds him, so I didn't quite get that. Do you mean, do you mean Chopper? What did I say? Rocket? Rocket? Chopper? Who's Rocket? Fuck. Yeah, Chopper. Is Rocket? I don't know if Rocket's a droid. No, I don't think it's so. It's not a bad name, though. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, but like that, that chip was meant to be Chopper, right? I don't think it's actually Chopper. Well, yeah, well, it's obviously not. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. It's meant to be, yeah, it's meant to be like a chopper, I don't know, like, like reference, I guess. Okay, yeah, because I had a lot of his, his, like, mannerisms and, like, you know, obviously his design. Well, we go, we're going right into the into the depths of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Oh, dude, I completely forgot to mention. Oh, I'm devastated. No, these have to be mentioned, all right. You know the moment, of course, when Order 66 is actually triggered and we get the, oh, the voice Revenge lines. of the Sith audio. Yeah, from uh, from Anakin and and I think Mace might be in there maybe or and Palpatine and stuff. Uh, Ahsoka's like hearing that mm. in the Force or whatever. That shit was dope hearing because it was Hayden Christensen and of course the lines, but like Matt Lanter did the voice too, and they kind of combined the voices, which was awesome. Mm. Actually, you know that's interesting that you mentioned the voice lines because like before you were saying that Sam Witwold is is more to you. And I think, like you know, to me, like when I when I think of Obi Wan, I think of I think of like James Arnold Taylor's voice, but you know, on like you and McGregor's body. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Matt Lanter is Anakin to me too. Yeah, he's just phenomenal. He's the best version of him. Definitely, definitely. And hearing his voice combined into into that scene was really neat. I was just going to say, I love like how this explains away like the question that's been on fans' minds for like since the creation of the Clone Wars of where's Ahsoka during, you know, Revenge of the Sith, and I, like it was such a crucial. Yeah. You know, it's such a massive thing um, that they that, that they had, you know, when creating the show. So, I mean, to have it finally answered in, in such a great way is really good. Definitely. It's such a good story. You know, it makes perfect sense. Um, the only moment, in my opinion, where it feels, like, shoehorned and strange is actually the scene when we get the, uh, you know, the same Revenge of the Sith scene where the Jedi Council meeting you know, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. They have the whole conversation they had in Revenge of the Sith, and then Ahsoka walks in immediately when that scene cuts in Revenge of the Sith. That was the only moment where like, I liked it in terms of it, it kind of needed to be there, I think, for us to understand just how close Order 66 is at that point. 
Um, and I like the conversation Ahsoka has with them. It just that's the only moment where I felt shoehorned in. Like really, Ahsoka Tano walks in like a second after we cut in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I guess. That yeah, there's nothing else like that really where they try and insert something so specifically. How good? Speaking of like actors and their roles, I love Tom Kane's Yoda so much. Him when he uh, here when he like tries to reach out to Ahsoka, even though like he really doesn't have to. Mace is like a dick to her, mm. but he like reaches out to Ahsoka, asks how she is and if everything's okay. He's just like so. He's like so sweet. I love him. He's like a significant improvement over prequel trilogy Yoda, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's. It, I, th- I think um, every character that we have in Clone Wars is my favorite version of the character, apart from Mace. I mean, you know, you can't beat Sam- Samuel L. Jackson as Mace, but. No, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I mean, I guess this can count as trivia. I guess. I don't know. There's not really any traditional trivia for this. We've been discussing how the show was kind of created with the mocap and stuff throughout. So, like, I don't know, you can count that as trivia, trivia retroactively if you like. But, uh, dude, what about the moment, you know, the final moment that in the second episode when Ahsoka and Anakin see each other for the last time and it's the mirroring of the rebels shots of Ahsoka and Vader seeing each other for the first time. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is, mm-hmm. uh, that was, that was powerful shit. I'm like, wow, that is so, so deliberate and so awesome. Yeah. I mean, rebels knows how to make a season finale. I think that's what like, like that, like that, that, that's one thing the show had, like you cannot deny just like every finale was just superb. Oh, totally. If, if anyone was annoyed with some of the more childish episodes like throughout the season, you can't not watch the next season after every season finale. Mm. I mean, we're right at the end here now, aren't we? Yeah, I guess we just... Order, but... yeah. So, I mean, basically, you know, Maul escapes. He hyperdrives away into uh, into Solo, a Star Wars story, basically. They they work out a way... There's cool action set pieces here. There's some cool choreography and stuff with Ahsoka and Rex. I love the way they team up and work together. Um to make sure they subdue all the clones and the way they are constantly moving and, and shit like that. And the way that it progresses to them eventually finding the Y wing is that was all fun stuff. But yeah, you know, all that action and all that stuff was, was really cool, but it's really just to get to the entire star destroyer crashes. And then, yeah, then we just get the whole three minute ending sequence of, of the entire series here. And I still feel like I can't spoil it, but I just have to do it, don't I? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. just have to do it. <laughs> um, how, how'd you feel about the clone burial? First of all, it was just—it was it, it, brilliant. It was fantastic. It, it was something. It was such a amazing thematic end to the series, and you know we expect them to be able to tell us what happens to Ahsoka and Rex and, and their story, and we get Order sixty six, and you know those things are all expected. But I never expected necessarily to have so much thought put into them trying to directly address what the entire show is about the whole time. That's something I didn't expect, you know, with it being an anthology of stories, that's literally what Clone Wars is. The show leaves you with all these clone helmets, all these clones are dead, and of course that represents literally the entire clone army, not just the people there. Um, And just look at how all these characters, all these clones, which of, of which there were many, that we made you care for, throughout this anthology of cool stories that we that we animated for you and look how their lives were doomed from the start and <laughs> completely discarded and forgotten and i think then cutting ahead to see it all just lost time 
when the planet changes to to a winter setting, it, it just drove that home so so strongly. Um, I, I don't know. I never expected a conclusion like that, but it was something. Um, but of course, Ahsoka and Rex leave, and they teleport into Rebels. I'm saying it, Jesus. You know, when Vader turns up in the end, in that one minute, which is just talk about every frame of painting, talk about yeah. cinematography to to the yeah. next level. Holy shit! There's like there's like eight different wallpapers, like shot to shot, back to back. I'm like, dude, I could have any of these as a laptop wallpaper. Dude, the um, yeah, especially the moment when he when he he, he ignites a circus lightsaber, and you know, like the yeah, it's 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 so it's so fucking fantastic. There's something about I think seeing Vader ignite a blue lightsaber. Yeah, that's so striking. That's so striking. And my my favorite's probably actually the overhead shot of him kind of like still having it, holding it with the owl flying above too, and him looking up at it. Oh yeah. Oh shit. Like like I saw someone point out the fact that you know like Darth Vader doesn't go to desolate planets to investigate one old star cruiser crash. You know he 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 felt you know a connection there. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, I think there was so much. I think it's obvious there was so much thought put into this sequence, of course, with it being your final sequence of your series. But what a note to leave the show on. What a tone. Because everything I was talking about, you know, with the clones' lives being wasted, this entire war being pointless because Palpatine played everyone from the start is really what it's going for. And, yeah, seeing everything covered in snow, seeing the Empire turn up, seeing, like, wow, look look what became of this clone war that we all enjoyed watching. Like, the, the, these these Nazi dudes, these space Nazis that we love from the original trilogy, and Anakin turning up, and now he's just, like, a broken dude. He's He's got nothing but pain, uh, you know, a terrible existence and all this shit, and he has to, like, face his past and walk away from it in the end with the reflection in the, in the clone helmet. <laughs> uh, walks away yeah. from Ahsoka, walks away from the war. It's just... It just drives home... Like I think his internal emotions, as well as the entire grand conflict of feeling how how waste how much of a waste that all was. It's so much to dissect about it. I think I remember, yeah, you know, when it fades to the uh, to the Imperial shuttle, the first time I watched it, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and like, and all the stormtroopers walking around, the snowtroopers, all those models that they made and vader the model uh, model of vader looks phenomenal it looks phenomenal and you see through there's that one shot where you can like slightly see see through yeah yeah Mm. i would much prefer if when this scene takes place remains a mystery i think that just works for it more star wars being such a connected universe that everyone loves and everyone loves like diving into the lore and the canon and all that shit i like that stuff too but I think in doing that, a lot of the time when every event has to be at such a specific time frame, at such a specific location in the galaxy, like you lose a bit of grander universal storytelling in the process, I think. And I would love, it's not clear when this happens. It's not clear when Vader returns to the crash site and finds the lightsabers, you know. So I, I don't want to, I, w- I want to speculate about it for fun. Do you have any prediction as to when do you think that would be? I think it'd have to be sometime soon uh, after the fall of the Republic. Not like super soon, like like you know, it 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 it'd be probably I don't know five years after Revenge of the Sith, I reckon, something like that. Because the fact that you know things are in a pretty desolate state, 
and you know the snow's covered a fuck ton of a fuck ton of it, but like you know there's still enough there remaining. And I mean, like, um, what well, Rebels does such a good job of is 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 showing the size of the empire, and so like you know when you kind of when you kind of speculate about the size of that, the likeliness of them not being you know of that being undiscovered for more than you know a decade or something like that is it's, it's unlikely. Yeah, that's that's true. And the fact that, you know, there's no clones around, it feels like all the imperial iconography we know with the ships and the helmets is all very much stable at this point. So, yeah, no, five five years would definitely work. I think the other factor to consider is just why Vader is there. Is it something, yeah, like you say, like you said earlier, like I don't, if it's a situation where, oh, look, we heard about this new Republic cruiser that crashed, like why would Vader investigate that? I don't think he would give a shit. So... There has to be something that led him there that he was aware of that that was a Soka's ship or something to do with a Soka that could be a clue that he finds there. So, and that's the other thing to think about. Like in Rebels, he that's when he learns that a Soka's alive. So, you could look at it as a situation of it's actually during Rebels when he learns Soka's alive, then goes and pursues information about it, or it could just be a thing that's actually like you say five years after. He thinks she's dead at that point and then learns that actually that's not true. She's alive 15 years later in Rebels or whatever. So, yeah, there's options. I don't know. Oh, yeah, but I do think thematically with him walking away from the sabers and the helmet, like it would make sense, I think, more if that were a moment of him kind of in his mind putting to rest that she's alive and him just confirming she's dead to himself. The, the, the fact that, the, that there's clone graves would indicate that she's alive. Wouldn't that she survived the crash? That's really true. Yep. Yep. And then of course just the uh just the owl. That was, you know, a main symbol generally tied to Ahsoka and the light side of the force in general in Rebels a lot. because um, it also comes back to like Mortis and the friggin' what's her face, the the sister. Or the daughter rather. Oh uh, um, um She just called the daughter, isn't she? Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah. That's right, because it's just the father, the son, the daughter. Yeah, um, and the Holy Spirit. And the, <laughs> yeah, and that, all that stuff is uh, intricately, you know, tied to the light side of the fall. So, oh yeah, there's a. I think uh, there's a lot to think about there. I think Vader kind of. You could have said as if that is the embodiment of the light side, and Ahsoka, him just turning his back on all of that. Like I already mentioned, that would make sense. But then you get that sense of the owl flying above, like. Ahsoka still kind of exists within him. It's something that still weighs on him on some level. I don't know. I don't know. I just I love that the, all the effort went into creating this scene for us to think about, and that's why I love Dave Filoni and the team so much because they they create stories with consistency and that make me think like this, you know. And as much as I love Star Wars movies, you know, Star Wars movies don't do this to me, <laughs> you know. Don't have stories and characters that leave us kind of interpreting shit. I mean, like, uh, I can't recall if we said earlier in the episode, but we definitely, I'm pretty sure we said it before on the show that the best that Star Wars is animated at this point. Yeah, I whole, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, I'm going to see every new Star Wars movie that comes out, obviously, but at this point, you know, they talk about the new movies coming in years or whatever. If, if there's a new animated series announced, the Rebel sequel series, the Bad Batch series, when there's a trailer for that, I'm going to be more excited for those things. Yeah. I'm really keen for the, for the Rebels sequel series, I think. More so than the Bad Batch. Same. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But anyway, holy shit, we went forever. Yeah. Um, proper nerd know, out. I can talk about Star Wars forever, yeah. obviously. Proper, proper nerd out, dude. I don't think you can find a 
be a nerd out on the internet. Yeah, we have to tell Fizzy when he posts a reminder that it's uh that it's uh it's to put like a a nerd length warning or whatever the fuck. <laughs> we have to warn all our viewers to stay away from it. Yeah. It's too it's like radio what's the word? It's like a emitting nerdism. Yeah. It's radioactive yeah, yeah, but of, of nerdist nerdist shit. Yeah. Jane, I had a great time talking about Clone Wars because how could I not? Mm, yeah, um, Sam. I mean, I was I was keen for this. All right, whatever. So uh, yeah, I guess we have to. Jesus, I'm done. We have to give a final verdict to this out of ten. Um. Yeah, Jane. I guess you have to rate the season out of ten, which is kind of difficult, I guess. Um. I mean, yeah, no, it's ten out of ten for me. Like, you know, you can argue that the Martyrs sisters arc brings it down, but that's just classic Star Wars, and I think you know, it, sure. especially with the with the last arc in mind. About how much, how significant and pivotal it is to everything, um, and even like Bad Batch. I mean, like I just love it. I love Clone Wars. Clone Wars has always been like you know a nine out of ten show for me at least, and I think this final season is you know the best of Clone Wars. Yeah, it's definitely the best of Clone Wars. I mean, yeah, it's weird breaking it apart. Like I can't, you know, I'm not going to give the Martyrs this is like a ten out of ten or anything, but I don't know. Like I guess I give season seven if this this is what this episode's called, right? So like if I'm giving season seven a score, I guess I give it a nine. I suppose, but you know everything we talked about, dude. Like that final arc, which is the meat of the finale, that final movie thing, that is a ten out of ten by far. It's it's one of my favorite pieces of media that I've ever seen across games, movies, TV shows. Um, yeah, it, it holds a special place in my heart. I think, and I love getting new shit like this. It only came out this year, which is crazy. I feel like often things that mean this much to us, you know, take time and nostalgia, but that's just how good it is. So yeah, I'd give I'd give yeah that a ten out of ten, I suppose, but nine out of ten to the season if you want to be specific. So for news chat, we got Tom Holland is Nathan Drake. Obviously, we've known this for a while, but we got a photo of him on the set. They're shooting the film. Our first reveal of what Nathan Drake looks like in the movie. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it looks like Tom Holland standing in a Nathan Drake costume. As a king, it is a. It actually looks like a very good Nathan Drake cosplay. That's basically what it is. Um, so you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to the movie. This is the least of my concerns about the movie. I hope it's good. I mean, you know, Tom Holland's a great actor. I'm sure he's going to do a great job. You know, I hope the movie delivers from a story perspective. I don't know if I can fully trust that, but I don't know. Did this do anything for you, Jane? As someone who hasn't really got a lot into Uncharted, does seeing this make you any more excited for seeing the movie at least? No. I mean, terrific. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get why they didn't really like. It didn't really elevate my excitement at all. Not that I'm really that excited, but. Uh, but next up, we got the Snyder Cut. Everyone, we love talking about the Snyder Cut in news chat. But uh, new casting for it. We got Jared Leto is coming back as the Joker for the reshoots of this, which is wild. And we've also got the guy playing Deathstroke. I saw that one this morning. Got no idea what the hell his name is. But he apparently no, played Deathstroke in Joe, that post-credit scene. Man- Mangalilla or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's, 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 Joe. Uh, it's it's like Joe with Jared, Jake, Joel, something like that. <laughs> Any <laughs> J name, yeah. So that guy, he's playing Deathstroke again. So I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I've got nothing against Jared Leto Joker personally. You know, he was the least of that movie's problem, Suicide Squad. So whatever. Um, could be cool. I just. I don't know how all of this can fit into the story in a concise way. I'd love to be totally wrong. I just, 
I don't know. It's not getting me any more excited. I'm just, if anything, more curious about this news. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I really don't care about it. It's. I, I find it weird, like, how much Leto in the past has defended his version of the Joker and how, like, kind of obsessed, I guess is the word I'd use, he seems with his portrayal and how he feels there's an injustice as to that. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, he's got another chance. We can't complain now. Mm. And who knows, like, this might just be one scene or something. I've got no idea, but sure, whatever. I'll bring it on, I say. At this point, if you're going to make this friggin' Snyder Cut that no one thought was ever going to happen, you know, you you may as well just go all in on it and just go balls to the wall, bring everyone in for it. Um, Anyway, this one is near and dear to our hearts, Jane. Mindhunter Season 3 almost certainly is not happening. Um, David Fincher talked about it. I think he was promoting Mank his new Netflix film, and someone asked him, I think, about just, you know, where's season three of Mindhunter? What's going on? And I have the same question for him. He, Yeah, he basically just said that the the views weren't strong enough to justify the budget for the season, you know, which is fair enough. And unfortunate, but fair enough. And how he mentioned that on season two, it was just totally exhausting for him uh, to show run that, that project. So, you know, it's, it's a bit sad. It's a bit of an anticlimactic sort of way I feel like shows either, you know, get cool new seasons and get cool conclusions or they just get cancelled and shut down. But this just feels like a amicable split and that's kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, like, the, the project, like, we heard a while ago that it had been indefinitely shelved. But, you know, to have, finally have this conf- confirmation that they just said, yeah, no, not too interested, kind of sucks. Yeah, it does. It does. Where does... um. I'm trying to think. There were some unresolved threads, right? I can't really remember, honestly. On a more personal level, like it was with like Bill and his wife and like their kid and what happened with that. That's right. And also like all the BTK stuff. Like, you know, like how we get like that shot at the start or the end, I can't recall, of the episode of um, the BTK killer. And like, you know, it was really odd that they that we got all of that and, you know, hopefully season three would, you know, it's, mm. it's likely that season three, you know, beyond would have been exploring that. As always, now we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week we asked you, who's your favourite female director? And the answers for this were an absolute shit show. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I would never intend in, in something that I, that I make, I don't think, to inject such obvious social commentary, but apparently we've done it. We, we've apparently turned this into some sort of social statement. All right. So uh, anyway. Favorite female directors. Luke wrote in and said, I don't really know any female directors, let alone male directors. So in Luke's defense, you know, he's got a solid counter there. That's fine. He doesn't know directors full stops. That's cool. I knew that Wonder Woman had a female director. Full disclosure, I had to Google her. So I'll say Patty Jenkins. Sure, that's fine. Patty, do you know if she did anything else other than Wonder Woman? I think she's done. um, I mean, I don't think they're just going to give her Wonder Woman for a debut film, but I'm I'm pretty sure she's done some other stuff. Uh, yeah, cool, solid choice. I didn't love Wonder Woman, but you know, fair enough, Luke. Fair enough. Oh, actually, um, that's right. She directed um Monster. You know that two thousand three film with Charlie's 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 Theron, whatever her name is. Oh right, okay. That's pretty. Okay. That's pretty acclaimed. Um, so yeah, that makes sense as to why they get. Have it. you seen? No, nah, not yet. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um. Oh Lord, Lachlan ran and said there aren't any good ones. <laughs> What are we doing, dude? What are we doing with this shit? Oh, okay. All right. Now. Lachlan then amended his statement by saying that uh, he did have one. 
Well, well. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like basically with Lockie's comments, right, there were about three and I had to choose, I wanted to choose one. Okay, I just wanted to go with this is what his official response to the question was. And I tried to choose the best of a bad bunch. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, just because I don't want to, you know, I- I'm definitely going to cost him a few jobs by what I just read already. Mm. But I don't want to ruin his whole career. I don't want to. I don't want him to friggin' end up like Weinstein or some shit by reading the other thing. You know. No, employers will understand. Employers will understand that you know it was a joke made in good, made in good health. You know, he's just having a bit of fun. He obviously doesn't think that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, and uh, Liam wrote into his own show. Because he's not here this week. Exactly, exactly. How about that? First time ever. And he said, Sophia Coppola, sorry, Sophia Coppola, who's uh, Francis Ford Coppola's daughter, apparently, first, and Greta Gerwig as his second favourite. So that's neat. I'd never heard of uh, Sophia Coppola. Really? Directing anything. No, Mm. not at all. You know, she was the baby in in, uh, Godfather as well. Oh, really? In the christening scene, I'm pretty sure she was the baby. Oh, neat. Okay. Huh. That's um, funny. Yeah. Well, what film of note are you, is she kind of known for most, do you think? Um, the Virgin Suicides is the one I've seen and it's brilliant, but she's also done like Lost in Translation and I think she did, I think she did Girl Interrupted. I should probably check that. Um, but she's, she's, she's a pretty good director. Um, yeah, cool. I really like it. From what I've seen, it's pretty good. I need to check out The Virgin Suicides then, I guess. But, um, oh, Mary Antoinette and, and the Bling Ring as well. I was wrong about Girl Interrupted, though, so there you go. Oh, okay. Okay, there you go, there you go. So, yeah, my, I mean, my choice, this was, I honestly, we, we already mentioned, like, the, the, the lack of female directors on, on this show last week, and <laughs> I didn't think it would be this hard. This is, you know, obviously I'm just saying the obvious. Where are the female directors in Hollywood? They're, they're nowhere to be seen, dude. They're, there's few and far between. Is is an understatement, I think. But that's not to say there's some talent out there. But the situation is, you know, I've seen the fact that I've seen like 650 or so movies in my life, and it was difficult for me to find options is not the best thing, you know. Just me saying the obvious, but it is what it is. The uh, Greta Gerwig would be my choice too, and. You know, she's got such a great reputation, I think, with Little Women, which you watched this week, which I want to hear about from you, Jaden. But, um, you know, I just know her from Lady Bird, I believe is the only film of hers I've seen. But I thought it was excellent. I love that movie. Um, I thought her direction in it was, like, like very evident um, in her hand in guiding the actors specifically. And I don't know if she wrote the script. Maybe if she did, she did an excellent job with that too. Yeah, she did. But, uh Oh, excellent! Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Now she she's a great writer too. Then so yeah, yeah. She she'd be my choice for that reason. Yeah, I had a similar issue because like I've logged seventeen hundred odd films, and I had a look, and I, it, it's less than a hundred uh, female directors. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but um, Greta Gerwig is such a good shout, and especially after watching Little Women, um, it's so fucking great. Like I really can't emphasize how brilliant that film was. But like in in terms of actually, like, a favourite director that I've seen, like, multiple films of and, like, I understand their career and I know what they're really like, it's Catherine Bigelow, who did um, ah. Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker in Detroit and Point Break. Um, 
and her films are just class. I mean, like the they're such a brilliant, you know, they're, they're just a masterclass in tension. She really is fantastic at that, especially in Hurt Locker and and and, um, and Detroit. Um, and actually, wow. I, I watched um, Zero Dark Thirty this week. And, you know, it's it's she, yeah, she is she really is fantastic. Um. I'm surprised you liked Little Women that much, dude. I, was, I, I need to check that out for sure. It was already on my radar because it was on Prime, I think. I can't believe really I liked it that much either. Um, dude, um, you know, as someone who's never read the book, I was immediately invested in these characters and, like, I can't believe what that film did to me. Like, it, it, it built me up and tore me to shreds, like, 30 fucking times. Wow. <laughs> like, the characters are just phenomenal and, like, that's where it really, she really excels in this, I think. Because for, for me, who's never read it, had no prior connection to the to this to this book, to these people, to these characters, I was so immediately invested. And like, the, the, like the moment that first really got me was like, you know, there's a dance sequence in the style where Saoirse Ronan's character first meets Timothy Chalamet's character for the first time, and they dance, and it's just, but it's not like you know, it's it's not it's it's, it's describing it now. It's not really like you know what it is, but like it's such a demonstration of pure friendship, and it's just so brilliant in that respect. Sure. Um, yeah, and like the the film, it's 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 just gorgeous. Like it's the it's the pinnacle of like like warm and cozy and like you know it, they do contrast it with some bleakness when like you know some shit goes down, but it's 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 fantastic. Awesome, awesome. Anyways, anyways, that's it for Cinema Effect this week. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Do I have to throw to you to tell us what the oh, next week's movie yeah. is? Is that kind of weird? Um. No, nah, I mean, let's just embrace me that I'm replacing Liam. Um, <laughs> Full time, it's yeah. done. Um, done deal. We're watching The Godfather Part 2 as a continuation of our, uh, you know, Cinema Effect series at the end of uh, each month. Uh, and yeah. you can find that on our stand. Oh, dude, you crushed that, dude. Can we just give that job to you from now on? <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk about it when uh, Liam's here so we can uh, give him a fair trial. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before the show, we'll, we'll get you both to do practice rounds and we'll compare them. Mm-hmm. Anyways, anyways, thanks, Jane, a lot for joining me. We'll see you all next time on the next edition of Cinema Effect if you were able to listen all the way through this chat. But just know that we had a lot of fun, or at least I did. I, I don't want to speak for Jane. No, I, 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 I had quite a bit of fun too, yeah. Excellent. I'd excellent. Re- I'd, like my fun was like an 8, eight out of 10, I reckon. It dragged a bit, but it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyway, have a great rest of your week, everyone. And we'll see you later. Goodbye.